So if you've been with us over the past few weeks, you'd know that we've been going through the book of Acts together as a church. And I've absolutely loved working through this book together. Um, just reading it um, on my own or, or as a group, it's been so good. And today we're going to be looking at the second half of chapter four, following on from Phil's preach last week. Um, but if we go back even further fr- um, from the beginning of Acts, um, what we've read over the past few chapters, we'll know that things had been going well. Um, we've read that thousands of people had come to know Jesus. Um, many had been filled um, by the Holy Spirit for the first time, and we'd even seen miraculous healings happening. And it had just been going so well. But then we got to chapter four last week, um, where we read about Peter and John, who had been arrested and put in prison for what they were proclaiming. They were preaching about Jesus, and they didn't want to keep quiet about this. They just wanted to tell as many people as they could about Jesus. But the authorities did not like this at all. They arrested them, they questioned them, and they threatened them that they should not be talking about Jesus anymore. And this is where we pick up the story today in Acts 4, um, verses 23 to 31. So if you've got your Bible, um, please feel free to read with me. I'll be reading from verse 23, Acts chapter 4. And it says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices to God, uh, voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So from this passage, we're going to be looking at three points um, that the disciples did in the face of opposition. They all begin with P, so hopefully easy for you to remember. Um, The first is people. So we will read that the disciples gathered around people. The second is um, prayer. How did they pray? And thirdly, power. What did they receive from God? So they're my three points. So the first one is people. So looking at, um, straight away at verse 23, Peter and John had just been released from prison. And as I just mentioned, they'd been threatened because the authorities did not like what they were proclaiming. So what did they do next? Were you straight away that they went back to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They didn't want to keep quiet. They weren't going to leave prison and just go home and, and think that nothing had happened And I think sometimes we're good at doing this. I think we're faced with something and we go home and just say, I'm going to fix this on my own, um, in our own strength. Maybe because, maybe highlighted because we've been forced in a time of isolation due to the pandemic. But also in other times, I think sometimes we are so good at just going home and fixing things in our own strength. But God has created us to be in community with one another, not to live in this isolated state that we often find ourselves in. And the disciples knew this, They knew that they couldn't solve this problem on their own. 
But instead, they went to their friends, they went to other believers, and they chose their community, their brothers and their sisters and their friends. Do we choose community to be with? Do we choose our church community? Is this a place that we prioritize to gather with other Christians? Who would you uh, consider to be your friends, the people that you hang out with the most or get support from? It might be your work friends or your gym friends or your social club friends. If you want to grow in God, gathering with other Christians is very important. I know for me, I've got some really close Christian friends that I know I can go to and speak to about anything. I've learned that over the years, I don't want to do this Christian life on my own, but I also don't want to do this Christian life with nice Christians um, that will just pat me on the back and say, oh, I'll be okay. I want to surround myself with Christians that will do me good and pray with me because I know that, that prayer is very, very powerful. Do you consider that you've got those kind of people around yourselves in this church? If you haven't, please try and get alongside other people. Maybe that's here on a Sunday. Maybe that's in a life group. Maybe that's just meeting together in ones and twos. I really, really encourage gathering with others. So as I was saying, these disciples, they chose community. But not only did they choose community, but they chose to pray. And that's my second point. They prayed. Their response, their first response was not to panic, not to run around like headless chickens, or even develop a new strategy of sharing the gospel, maybe with a whiteboard and pen and 10 ways of doing this. But we know that their first response was to pray. How often do we find that our first response is to try and fix ourselves rather than to pray? So now we'll just look at how, how did they pray? Well, have you ever been to a prayer meeting before or a meeting before and kind of stood there and thought, what do I say? How do I begin to pray? Or have you ever not been to a prayer meeting before because you're finding life really hard? Or you're feeling like things are against you and you can't come and gather alongside other people and you don't feel like you can come to God? I've definitely done all of those things. I hope I'm not alone, but I'm just saying that I have done those things. But I love in this passage... The disciples just get straight into praying. There's no faff, there's no worrying about what people think of them. They just start praying to God. Sovereign Lord, they say, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They start by lifting up God's name, by focusing on him and not on themselves and not in that, their situation. They know that he is the creator and that he is the sovereign one. Even in the difficulties that they have found themselves in, they are declaring that God is good and they are setting their eyes on him. I don't think they turned up to that meeting or were in that gathering whispering their prayers to God and wondering what they might sound like. I think they just went straight to God. They knew that they were praying to a powerful God, a God that absolutely loved them. And this is what fueled their prayers. They were in a really, really tough situation at this point, but they came straight. They were confident in their love of God and they went there. And one of the verses that I loved last week um, that was mentioned was the fact that the disciples were uneducated, they were normal people, and they just loved God. They lived for God. They weren't special, and they didn't have any fancy words and, and fancy ways of praying. They were just themselves, and they prayed to God. If you were one of those people a minute ago that agreed with me about not knowing how to pray in, in prayer meetings, let me just tell you a little story um, that helped me. Um, so something, something that someone said to me once when I was 
saying I, I can't go to prayer meetings. It changed how I viewed praying at meetings. It was just the fact that I was having a conversation with God, my father. And it just happened that other people were in the room at the same time, but it was just between me and my father. And I always struggled with praying out loud. Not necessarily in meetings, but just with a small gathering. It would just terrify me. But once I'd grasped that it was just between me and God, it made, me, made it easier for me to A, turn up, and B, to join in. And don't get me wrong, I still struggle with praying out loud. But I know that God loves it when I do. He loves it when I step out and say, I'm going to do this. In the same way, it sounds as though these disciples of Jesus knew that they were just conversing with God. They didn't shy away. They just met with God. And you know what? The devil loves it when we don't come to meet together. He loves it when we stay at home and shy away. And he would rather us live in isolation. Absolutely. He would love it if we just fix our things on it in our own strength. And he doesn't want us to come to God for anything, let alone with others, because we are strengthened when we come together. If we want to see our lives transformed, if we want to see other, others saved around us, we need to meet together, we need to stand firm together and pray, because if we don't, then the devil is robbing us from a great, great privilege that we are able to pray straight to God. So once they have declared God's goodness, they've, they've said, Sovereign Lord, you are the creator, they then start quoting a prophecy from Psalm 2, Psalm 2 from the Old Testament. This prophecy was pointing to Jesus about him being persecuted and threatened, and they had just witnessed them, this themselves. They had been alongside Jesus, and they had seen this happen. And now they themselves were facing persecution for what they were doing. But they knew that God was sovereign that whole time, that God wasn't going to let them down now. He had seen how God had raised Jesus to life and that they weren't alone in their circumstance. And they knew that they were to expect these things as well. They knew that by living for Jesus, they were going to see um, persecution and opposition. And they knew that they shouldn't be troubled because God was in control. So what did they pray for? And this is my third point. They prayed for power. In verse 29, it says that they asked for boldness. They said to God, look upon their threats, their persecution towards us, and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And then they asked God to continue what he was doing among them, to stretch out his hands, to continue performing signs and wonders. I wonder what our, our prayers would be like if we were in that meeting. I know for myself, I'd rather not have any confrontation. I'd rather not have any pain or any threats. And I'd probably be asking God for protection and for the persecution to stop as soon as possible. But these verses show that the disciples had a big and correct perspective of God. So they just asked for boldness to continue preaching, continue living for Jesus and being witnesses for him. They didn't pray for the threats to stop. They didn't even pray that it would all turn out okay. But instead they prayed for boldness to continue. That was their priority. And that was what they found was important. They'd been knocked back and their lives were on the line, but they knew the importance of still living for Jesus. Even when it was hard, they knew what they needed and that was boldness. I know it, uh, today our persecution might look completely different to their persecution, but we are often knocked back. We are often um, knocked down by people's comments or, or discouraged. But is it boldness that we pray for to continue with what we believe in? 
And I love this bit in verse 31. It says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They all received power and continued to speak the word with boldness. So often I have gone to meetings and thought, oh, God will use that person over there. He won't use me. And I've often disqualified myself thinking, oh, I can't be used. God won't speak to me in this meeting. I don't know if you felt the same. But earlier when I said about not thinking I could pray in meetings, so many times God uses us, even in those times. And that is so, so powerful. And the great thing is that the Holy Spirit is available to all, not just to those disciples that we read about in the, in the Bible, not just to church leaders in these meetings, but to all, to me and to you. And it says in this, in this passage that all were, feel, all were filled. They were expectant that God would give them what they needed. They knew that they needed boldness. And you know what? God is so, so good. And he gave them boldness. They probably all felt God in different ways. I think we all feel God in different ways as well. And that's okay. But it says that they all received. Even the shy ones, even the ones that were like, oh, I don't know if I should turn up. They all received. And that is what we can have today as well. Um, so yeah, they, they asked for this uh, boldness. Who here wants to be bolder? Who here needs that boldness in their lives? I know I do. I couldn't do any of this. I couldn't do anything that God has called me to do without the boldness of God. I could definitely try, but I know that I've, I need God's boldness. So, so many times I have said, nope, not doing that. Definitely not. And you know what? I've always felt God say, yes, you can. With my boldness, you can do that. And this even here today, preparing this preach, I say, God, I'm not doing that. And God says, yes, you can. Have this boldness. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, but we also need that same spirit of boldness when we're talking to our friends, our really close friends and family. We need that same boldness when we're faced with questions and we don't know the answers to. So for these disciples that were gathered in this meeting, it was essential that they were there at that meeting to praise God and to receive the boldness that they needed. If we want to grow in God and know him more, then I want to encourage you to prioritize meeting with other people because that is where we're strengthened. God loves it when we come together and praise him and we want to honor him. If you want to grow in prayer, the only way by growing in prayer is by praying. And the only, and the only way that I was able to start praying out loud in front of other people was by praying out loud in front of other people. It's not easy. I'm not saying it easy, but God is faithful. So yeah, we need this boldness to continue being witnesses for God. In the great times when life is going really uh, good and we're seeing that our friends are being saved or anything like that, but we also need God's boldness in those hard times where we feel like life is falling apart. I know it's not always easy and I think we're all in completely different situations, but one thing I do know is that God is good and God answers our prayers and he knows what we need at the right time. So when we look back at the Bible in the Gospels, we can see what happened with Jesus. Those around him did not like what they were witnessing and what he was preaching and he was threatened. But not, not only was he threatened, he was, he was put on the cross to die. A horrible, horrible death. And do you know what Jesus did in response to those threats? He didn't shy away, go home and, and, and act as if nothing had happened and try and fix these things, these things by himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he went to the cross, he went to his friends and asked them to stay up and pray with him. 
Doesn't this show us that we, even, even more than Jesus did, need others around us to pray with us? Jesus surrendered to God in the face of persecution. Jesus trusted God and he was strengthened by him. He laid down his life for us, for me and for you. Now, how can we surrender to God more in our circumstances that we, we face and trust him and know and, and can pray that he is a sovereign God over everything? And let me encourage you to continue to pray on your own, but also in gatherings, because we are strengthened by him. So let me just finish with three questions and then I'll pass back to Paul. Have we got those people around us? Are we prioritizing gathering with other Christians when things are good and when things are not so good? And are we committing those things to prayer? Are we coming to a God that we know is in control and that absolutely loves us? And are we asking for power, this boldness to continue what God has called us to do? So I'm just going to pass back to Paul, if that's right. Sure. Yeah. I was just going to yeah ask Rachel to uh, to pray for us. It feels like you know she's been on a journey and stepped through in boldness and uh, receiving from God. So I think yeah, if you can just pray for for us to receive that today, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you, God, that you are good. Thank you, God, that we can come to you declaring that you, our Father, are good and that you love us. Thank you, Jesus, that we can gather here on a Sunday and proclaim that you are good. And Lord, I just pray for your boldness across this room. You, Lord, know every situation. You know where the boldness needs to be. Lord, and I just pray right now for boldness to enter people's hearts, to go out there and be witnesses of you. Father God, you know where, where people are struggling with this. And I just pray right now over this room, Lord, that your boldness will come, that your spirit will fill us up. It says that they all received. Lord, we are expecting that we will receive. Lord, we trust you. We know that you are good. Help us in all that we do. Amen.